Talking Sandful with Bevo and Smith. Yes, welcome to the show where we focus on all things Sandful and bring you the latest news and the biggest guests every week. Bevo here in the host chair, as always, joined by Steve Smurf Murphy. Smurf, great to have you on again, mate. Yes, thank you, Bevo. And 2020 continues to be a tipster's nightmare for the Sandful. <laughs> I just can't follow it. I'm not even going to bother tipping anymore because it's just way too hard, isn't it? Again, on the weekend, some interesting results and some that I'm sure most people wouldn't have seen coming. Do you know what, Murph? It makes for an amazing season and um, obviously finals is, is coming close as well, but it just goes goes to show that if you're not on your game, Correct. you know, anyone can beat anyone on your day, on their day, I should say, and we saw that in the weekend with uh, Nord and Centrals. Amazing. And of course, uh, North Adelaide now have two losses in a row. Admittedly, their second loss was, of course, to the top team, um, but that was a convincing loss. So uh, North Adelaide in trouble, surely not. That's right. And then South Adelaide as well. Mm. Isn't it funny? Because a couple of weeks ago, you were saying about how all these top teams are starting to flex their mm. muscle and you know getting that sort of momentum away from the rest of the, the rest of the group, I suppose, uh, in terms of the other five teams. But in the last few weeks, we've seen Eagles, South Adelaide, and North both all, all lose in the last few weeks, Murph. Since you made that comment, should so. have opened my big mouth, obviously. <laughs> Exactly. And Nord, unbelievable. How do they beat the Eagles, the top side, and quite convincingly, two weeks ago, then last week lose to the then bottom side? Yeah. Perfect example of an unbelievable (laughs) season. We'll ask Jared Cotton, the coach of Nord, that very question when we speak to him later in the podcast. And you've managed to dig up some stuff too, I believe. Yes, got a bit bit of dirt from some Mm. uh, former teammates of his and uh, some friends of his as well. So looking forward to to speaking to Cotts. And yeah, it'd be a bit bit dark on um, on his side and also because he was a a former Doggies player himself as Mm. well. So yeah, he'd be a bit of a uh, a shattered man, no doubt. But they have had their fair share of injuries. I was doing a bit of research during the week, Smurf, and um, we've sort of forgotten we've sort of been wondering what's going on with Nord a little bit with the team they've got but Louis Johnson and you know they've now lost Panos for the rest of the year which is a huge blow with a knee injury so they are sort of getting some injuries to key players which people are kind of forgetting about so it, it does take its toll a bit on the team. All right let's check the statewide Super League ladder after 11 rounds so three matches to go the Eagles on top clear by a game now after they win over the second team North Adelaide last weekend of course then Glenelg in third place on seven wins south on six then just out of the all-important four this year, Nord and Sturt both on five wins. So they'll basically be playing an elimination final, you'd have to say, this weekend, given that they play each other. Central's in seventh spot. They moved off the bottom after their big win over Nord and West Adelaide now on the bottom. So as we mentioned, it was first versus second on the weekend. The Eagles winning quite convincingly in the end at home. What happened, Bevo? Well, Murph, it was the Eagles proving too strong in the top of the table clash, winning 10 goals, 9, 69 to 6 goals, 8, 44. And I've spoken about this guy before. Can't believe he's not on an AFL list. Surely someone's going to look at him next year. Big Jack Hayes kicked three goals, 23 possessions and 11 marks to be clearly the best on ground and was the difference in the end. The Roosters actually led two goals, three to four points at quarter time, but it was the Eagles after that um, pretty much running away, running away with the game, kicking 10 goals, five to four goals, five after quarter time. To, uh, to win by 25 points, Murph. And Joe Sliner having a really good year for the Eagles. He had 27 disposals. Another Joe, Joe Cheetus, he had 26 possessions for the Eagles. And Jimmy Tumpus, a former power and demon, uh, he had 25 possessions for the winning side. In terms of the Roosters, 
Another guy who I reckon the AFL scouts might be looking at, Harrison Wig. He had continued to impress for the Roosters with 26 possessions. Jared Allman's 24 disposals. Always racks up plenty of the footy. And Campbell Coombe, another one having a really good year for the Roosters. 24 possessions and 11 marks. Um, Murph, a little bit later on, we'll talk to Norwood coach Jared Cotts-Cotton. But tell us what happened in the huge shock down there at the Ponderosa on Saturday. Definitely was a shock. And the Doggies actually came from behind too. So they probably would have thought the worst earlier in the match when they were behind. But uh, yes, as you mentioned, they've uh, come from behind to win their second game of the year. And it was all basically thanks to the big key forward, John Butcher, the much maligned John Butcher, who uh, most importantly, I suppose, kicked straight on the weekend, kicking five goals and was basically the difference between the both sides. I think John Butcher's underrated. I know he had his issues, particularly at uh, AFL level, but he's a great mark. And when he's on song, he's a valuable player like he was on the weekend. Definitely, yeah. Former red leg Chris Olsen also came back to Horny's old side with two goals and a goal assist in the final term too to finish with three for the game. The legs actually led by seven points at three-quarter time, but the dogs rallied in that final term to give their home crowd something to cheer about and what's been a pretty average year, obviously, with the Central District Football Club winning 15 goals, 8-98 to 13-7-85 in the end. Former Richmond forward Ben Nason had his best game for the year with 32 disposals and 12 marks. And James Boyd again raked up the touches with 37 and 7 clearances. That's a good day out. For Norwood, Richard Douglas again. We mention him every week, I think. Uh, continued his great run of recent form with 37 disposals, 8 marks, and four clearances. Matty Panos kicking three goals earlier on in the game for the visitors and Matty Nunn racking up 28 possessions. But as you mentioned, uh, Matty in trouble for the rest of the year, sadly. Speaking of upsets, there was a pretty big upset at Peter Motley Oval on Saturday as well. I was there to watch the game and Sturt were very impressive. They were too good for South. No, that's right, Smurf. It was Sturt who ran all over the top of South in the final term to win 11 goals, 14-80 to South Adelaide, 7 goals, 5-47. Sturt actually led by 13 points at three-quarter time, but they kicked four goals, 3-1-1 to in that final term to take a very valuable two points and keep their finals hopes alive. Um, former Nord player Mark Evans, he's always kicking plenty of goals for Sturt. He kicked two. Ash Johnson kicked two as well for Sturt. Sam Colquhoun always racks up plenty of the footy. He had 30 disposals for the home side. And this is really good, Matt. If we're talking before about VFL recruits, and another one is young Jack Henderson. He had 25 disposals and seven clearances. Of course, there's no VFL this year, so it's great to see them playing in our wonderful competition, the Sandful, of course. And how good would it be to see if they actually do stick around in the next year or two and really boost our competition? Because they like it so much here. Hopefully, they might even stay in some cases. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Exactly. Wouldn't that be wonderful? And Another person that's having a really good year, um, just relishing the opportunity to be the skipper of Sturt, is James Battersby. He had 23 touches and 10 tackles on the weekend for the Double Blues. For South Adelaide, Joe Haynes led the way with 26 possessions. I wonder if that red hair of his will help him get a McGarry medal vote or two. Yeah, it'd be interesting. <laughs> Obviously, Crossy's going to take plenty away from him as, as per usual. But, True. Um, Ben Heaslip, he's he backed up his really good game last week against the Doggies uh, to finish with 22 touches and 6 tackles against Sturt. And we mentioned just a moment ago, Joel Cross always racks up plenty of the ball. 21 possessions to go with his two goals for South Adelaide. He's not slowing down anytime soon. And one of those goals, Bevo, I reckon it have to be almost 60 metres. He kicked it from just on the 50 metre line and it bounced on top of the fence behind the goal. So wow. at least 55, if not 60. And Joel's not you know, massively tall, so yeah. he, he's still got it. There's no doubt about that. Was there a bit of a breeze or was no. just a really good kick? No, no, just a superstar. And obviously it was a danger game for the Bays. Um, 
because last time West Adelaide knocked off the, the Bays in one of the biggest upsets of the season so far. But uh, down at the Bay on Saturday, the Bays certainly were back to their best and looking very ominous going towards the finals this year. Absolutely, Bever. Yes, too strong for West Adelaide. Glenelg winning 21 goals, 9, 135. Nice to see that many goals in a game, isn't it, from yeah. one team? So 29 in total with West Adelaide's 8, 13, 61. They basically led from start to finish, led six goals, two to one goal, four at quarter time. And things never really got any better for the Bloods, unfortunately, for them. Marlon Motlop finished with four goals for the Bays. And McBean and Reynolds also kicked three goals each. Carl Nicholson chipping in with two goals and 27 disposals. And Liam McBean now on 32 goals, which means he takes over the lead in the Ken Farmer medal race being one ahead now of Jimmy Rowe from the Eagles. Last year's McGarry medalist Luke Partington could well go back to back the way he's going this year. He finished with 35 disposals for Glenelg. Matthew Snook had 30 to go with 14 tackles. For West Adelaide, Dallas Willsmore had 27 possessions and 11 marks. Thomas Keogh had 18 disposals and 11 tackles. And Brett Turner had a good day or night. Or both, wasn't it really? <laughs> but it's twilight. Um, with 24 disposals. All right, let's speak to our special guest for this week. As we sing the song to you, what I say should old acquaintance be forgotten. Keep your eye on the red and the blue. Yes, Murph, that is the song, of course, of the Norwood Football Club. And we're very privileged tonight to be joined by the coach of Norwood, Jared Cotts Cotton. Uh, obviously, a disappointing loss on the weekend, mate, but. Uh, the best thing is that you can turn around this week against Sturt. How are you going? And um, tell us more about the, the game on, on Saturday and where it went wrong. Yeah, no, it was uh, obviously disappointing. We we played some really good footy the week before against the, the league leaders and the Eagles and showed what sort of footy we're capable of. Um, we just didn't come with that same pressure to put the opposition under any real heat to, um, to sort of cause turnovers and, and just pressure around the footy was um, sort of chalk and cheese compared to the week before. So... For me, yeah, some of the offensive stuff was fine, but it was more just the, the ability to get out of the opposition and, and cause uh, turnovers and put some real pressure on them. It just wasn't at the level that was required, so that was disappointing. Um, but you're right, you've got another opportunity now at home against Third, who, who obviously had a really good win against South. So a, a great challenge for us. The season's still alive because of that result, so uh, we've got plenty to play for. You mentioned two weeks ago, you pretty much answered this question already, I suppose, but this year has been such an up-and-down season for pretty much every team in the in the Sanford. It's a tipster's nightmare. How do you go from beating the Eagles, the top team, with that magnificent second quarter, and in fact you were good all night, to losing to the then bottom team? Yeah. How is that possible, Chad? I can't get my head around know. it. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Yeah, but you probably have the same problem. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's um, one of those mysteries of football. Like, yeah. you know, even seeing you know um, Adelaide beat, you know, GWS who are playing for a final spot as well. So, yeah. you know, things things happen in football. And my big thing in life, really, in, in anything that you do, it's about your mindset. So if you, if you come with the right mindset, you come prepared to give the best out of yourself, then you're going to put yourself in a good position. And, you know, like, like I said before, we did that against the Eagles and everyone played their role. And we had 22 players that, that got it done. It wasn't relying on three or four. And on the weekend, we probably had three or four players that, really had a crack and, and after that I dropped away so that's that's the disappointing part and you know um, as a coach you know we've got to try and make sure we look at it and find out why and um, and get the best out of them on Friday but we we trained tonight they trained really well the intensity was excellent and you know we focused on making sure we, we train at a higher level so we can try and take that into the game on Friday night so 
Yeah, I think you'll definitely see a different team on Friday night. Now, you've obviously played under many coaches over the years, even the great Russell Liebert when we go way back in history, but that's another story for another time. Uh, and obviously worked with a few as well in terms of assistant coaching and stuff like that. So when you became coach for the first time, I'm assuming you sort of reflected on all those coaches and, and try to yep. pick some of the best things from, from each of them. If I ask you yep. off the top of your head, the one thing that you learnt from every coach that you wanted to do, and also the one thing that you learnt from a, a particular coach that, yeah, I don't want to do that when I'm a coach. Does anything spring to mind? for those two questions? Uh, I think you take you take a lot of stuff from every coach that you have. Yeah. So, I mean, my first coach as a league player was Alan Stewart um, at Centrals and he was fantastic. He, very controlled, you know, didn't rant and rave, um, but when he did say something and he was angry, you definitely knew about it. So, <laughs> it was a, a good learning curve for me as a young player back then that, you know, um, a coach can still get his message across without having to be a lunatic. So, um, <laughs> those sort of things were good early in my career and, I had Stevie Wright as my second coach who played at Sydney Swans um, when I was at Centrals. And he was really good, a good motivator, really energetic, you know, made you feel like you really wanted to play the game. Um, so, yeah, he, he was good from that point of view. Um, you know, I had a few different coaches when I was at Norwood. Um, Gary McIntosh was very good in regards to just having a, a presence about him, obviously being the great man that he is. Um, but probably the, the biggest one out of all of them was, um, was Phil Walsh. When I was an assistant you know, sort of development coach at the Adelaide Crows, um, I was only there. Obviously, he was only there for a short period of time, but the impact he had not just on me, but everyone at the club was massive. And the way he saw the game, the way that he communicated, um, I took a lot of that with me in, into my coaching. And probably if I didn't have that experience with him, I probably would be doing what I'm doing now. So he was probably the biggest influence um, as a coach. So yeah, but you do you, you sort of grab everything that you think you want to use and how you'd like to be coached, then you try and roll with that. And what about those things you didn't want to implement that you saw? You don't have to name the coach, but does one thing spring to mind? <laughs> you can name uh, it if you want. <laughs> no, not really. Probably just communication and being right. prepared. Um, you know, sometimes if you go to training and it just looks like it hasn't been prepared and you're not really training for a purpose, um, you're just sort of going through the motions to get the training done. Okay. Um, yeah, I had a, few, a bit of that during my career and, you, you really want to make sure that you're prepared, you know the opposition, you're training that way to prepare for that game. And I think that's a good learning curve for any any coach, really. It's, it's not just about going through the motions and, you know, doing an hour's worth of training without any real purpose. And, Cods, you mentioned before the Adelaide Crows. Of course, you were involved there as development coach. Um, do you feel as though, you know, having this experience now of being a head coach with the Nord Footy Club, that you could give it another crack at the AFL level? Or are you sort of happy just to stick with the sample for now? Yeah, no, it's an interesting question. I get asked a bit about it. Um, I had the option to stay at Adelaide for another three years, but I had a young family and I really wanted to sort of test myself in my own sort of coaching style, um, which has been a great experience. But yeah, I'm always open open to anything, you know, whether it's SNFL or whether it's AFL or development coaches or, you know, life has a way of, you know, opening doors at different stages of your life and, and you just take some chances and go with it from there. But I never wanted to say no to anything, but um, yeah, if I had the opportunity to go back at a, at a certain time, then I'd definitely look at it. Um, but again, I'm quite happy at Norwood. I, I love the club, I love the players, and you know, um, obviously the Corona year's been a bit different um, to, to most, um, and that's probably why you've seen a bit of fluctuation with most teams. But you know, we're, we're trying to do the best to make sure we have a, a chance to play finals. But We'll see how we go in the next three games. How are the kids going in terms of their football ability, Jaron? One of my uh, memories of you, for some reason, is the very last game at Football Park. I remember seeing you have a kick on the oval after the game with one of your kids. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I've got uh, my son's, uh, he's 13. Um, he plays footy and basketball, but he's more probably into basketball. He just got a scholarship to go to PAC. So, oh, wow. Um, yeah, he's, yeah, he plays for North Adelaide Rockets and, you know, plays state basketball and he's really entrenched in his basketball. So he doesn't play footy anymore, uh, but he was he was a pretty good football player as well. So, but like, like anything with your, your family, you just want your kids to be happy. Correct. So whatever he's happy doing, I'll support him fully and he's a pretty dedicated kid and he, he really loves what he's doing so that's the main thing fantastic and uh, one of my mates is um obviously a mate of yours as well cots uh, the great phil smith former 36 yep. is a uh, champion as a player and a three-time championship coach as well um what does he bring to the to i guess to you and the other coaches and the players down there yeah no he's awesome so um i met phil my first year at the club um through james fantasia who obviously knew him just through different coaching things um and you know, now he's probably, I classify him as a good friend. So um, he's he's been awesome for me. So I talk about coaches having an impact from a football point of view, but from a just a mentoring point of view and seeing things um, from a coaching point of view, um, not, not the game itself, but just the coaching people and interacting and all those sort of things. He's had a massive impact on me. And he's a fantastic person and he's just done so much in his career, one as a player, but also as a coach. So you, you can't not learn anything from him, to be honest. So, um, yeah, he's a ripper. So he's he spent some quality time with me and he's really helped me uh, in this sort of coaching period as well. Yeah, great. Well, we have a segment called Dishing the Dirt, Jared, which we're going to get to in just a second. But before we get to that, Bevo's got some dirt on you, which I found pretty interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've made so, him nervous, I think, Bevo. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I heard Cots are used to like going for hangers, but there was a number five in your team that I was even better at them. Uh, tell us about that one. <laughs> uh, well, me, me and Dale Fleming, who obviously works at the club as well, um, we played a lot of footy together when I played at Norwood and um, we always had a competition about who could take the best mark. He normally was doing it as a defender, which is probably harder than a forward. So, um, but he definitely he definitely got me on the height component. But I probably did it a bit more regularly than him. So we probably have that argument quite regularly. But um, uh, he's a great man. He was a great player, and um, you know he probably was a little bit underrated in this competition. He was one of the best defenders that I, I got to play with. You got him covered in the hair department, mate, so you're doing very well there. So. <laughs> yeah, definitely. definitely got him there, that's for sure. And there's some other dirt too, I believe. Yes, um, uh, a guy I used to work with who's a, a mate of mine and also a mate of yours as well, Cos, who was involved with the reserves a couple of years ago, Craig Evans. Now, he, te- oh, yes, <laughs> Evo, yep. he tells me that um, you've given up drinking, but you still want to be gangster. Is this true? <laughs> <laughs> no. That's harsh. Uh, oh, I, did, I did grow up. I did grow up in Sourcebury, so it might be referring to that. I'm not too sure, but and I did go to Sourcebury High, which is probably a little bit down that track. So, um, but yeah, I, I have. I haven't had it. Oh, what was it now? Four or five years. I haven't had any alcohol for. But it was purely a decision based on my religion and based on um, just wanted to stay healthy for the kids and spend more time with them and. I have hangovers and just have more clarity about what I was doing, especially being a coach as well. So, um, yeah, no, to be honest, I don't really miss it at all. I mean, I have nothing against people drinking. I mean, I used to do it as well when I was younger. But for me personally, it was just a personal decision. So, yeah. yeah. No, fair good enough. on you. Well, yeah, well answered. Answer. Yeah. All right, mate. Time to dish the dirt. Now, obviously, we normally do this with the players. So, it's going to be interesting coming from the coach. Um, <laughs> they'll be listening very intently to these questions, I'm sure, on the answers. So, the first question is, the funniest person at the club and why, Jared? Uh I think uh, Michael Talia, um, and he doesn't even realise he is. So um, he just does some funny stuff. And from me watching the group, he's a pretty funny bloke. So he's a good man, Tails. Fair enough. 
Uh, now, I'm going to take a guess and say Richie Douglas with this one, but the bloke at the club that loves the mirror. <laughs> uh, no, not necessarily. Rich uh, yeah, Grigg doesn't mind it. So, uh, he likes to dance as well in front of the mirror. So, Is that right? And, uh, uh, I'd probably say Griggy on that one. All right. right. Uh, normally, we'd ask the player to describe their coach in three words. So, this time, we're going to ask the coach to describe the coach in three words. Three words about yourself, Jared. Uh, uh, um, that's a tough one. I don't really probably look at myself in any particular way if it was my wife that she'd probably stuff ever at home um, <laughs> that's three words uh, yeah, how about three words you'd like people to say about you let's well, go with that I'd probably i probably looked upon as being moody at times right. uh, especially at home i think that comes with coaching though when you don't win correct um, and then i think caring and empathetic is probably i would say those two words and i think with football these days and coaching you've, you've got to be empathetic to players needs especially at the sample level just with jobs and Trying to trying to get everything done, it's a it's a hard ask for these boys, and they put a lot of time and effort into it. So you you really got to make sure you understand where they're at in their family life and their work life, and trying to get the balance right. It's a real tricky thing to to sample footy. Mm. And the players or coaches that uh, love a bit of reality TV, Jared. Oh uh, wow, um, I I don't really talk to them much about that side of things. Um, coaches wise, there's probably some that like you know Bachelor and stuff like that. I'm not 100% sure, but uh, I don't know definitely to that answer that there would be some for sure. I think everyone does. My wife does and she always has a crack at me because I know more about it than she does. But I'm, only, I'm only sitting there. I'm not actually trying to watch it. I'm trying to, watch sport, but I'm trying to do the right thing by her. So. Uh, well done. Well done. Brownie <laughs> points for you, Jared. Uh, yeah. And last one is the biggest nerd at the club. Does anyone spring Ooh. to mind there? Uh, probably um, the Cody Zust. He's this mad on, I don't know what they call it, COD or something. It's a game, um, right. a PS4 game or whatever else. Okay. Declan, Declan Hamilton and I think Zach Richards and Sam Balderstone, they're all massive on the, the AFL games, you know, with the, the players, um, what's it called, Dream Team stuff. Yes, yes. So they love that. They talk about that all the time. So probably, probably those boys. All right, mate, before you go, can we quickly get your thoughts on the games this weekend? West Adelaide hosts South at home on yep. Friday night. Yeah, uh, West Adelaide are, Obviously, you know, haven't had the year they'd won either. Um, but they are still a very dangerous team, especially at Richmond. So um, the ground, you know, suits them really well. And when you play night games there, it's a, it's always a tough game. So, um, but yeah, I mean, realistically, you would expect South to, to probably win that game. Um, they need to as well. They'll, they'll probably look to respond and bounce back from the performance they had against Sturt Arnley on the weekend. So, Cots, um, obviously a couple of weeks ago, you guys knocked off the Eagles and um, they're hosting the Bays on Saturday and should be a ripping game at Morn oh, Team. Game, yeah, yeah Morn Team Kia Oval. Who wins this one, do you reckon? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I just, I think Linnell, for me, are just a really good football team and, and coach really well. Um, but obviously, you can't take any credit away from the Eagles and the way they're playing their football this year either. So, that's a real tough one. Uh, I think at home, you might have to go with the Eagles. Um, but I still think Linnell, they're just just coming good at the minute. So, um, yeah, I, I think they're a really tough team. But I think at home, maybe the Eagles will win. I'm assuming you think North Adelaide will bounce back and beat the Doggies? Uh, the, of course, oh, well, uh, not yeah. after all I saw in the weekend. Well, there is that, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I think Central's are starting to play some good footy. Some of their kids are, are exciting kids to watch. Um, and, yeah, and they moved the footy, the footy quite well against us. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, realistically, North Adelaide should win. But I think you mentioned it before this year is, Throwing lots of different scenarios oh, yeah. at us, and you know anything's possible in a football game if you don't come with the right mindset. But yeah, you'd think North Adelaide would still win that game. 
And also on Friday night, you guys host it. Should be a cracking game, Cots. Um, Basically, elimination final, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Both yeah. teams have to win, pretty much. So, you know, um, yeah, exciting challenge for us. They played really well. Um, they were a little bit of a different mix in their team now over the past three or four weeks. So, something for us to look at. Um, yeah, obviously, Matt Panos um, out with an ACL, which is really disappointing for him and the club. Um, so, that, that leaves a hole. But, you know, someone needs to come in and play their role and, and lead the group as well. So, yeah, I'm really excited about the challenge and I, and I think we'll play some good footy. Jared, I could talk to you uh, for a very long time, but sadly, I'm sure your wife won't allow that. No, I don't want to undo all the good work you've done by watching those reality oh, TV shows. So. about to go into selection. <laughs> oh, okay, right. The night hasn't ended yet. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, mate, appreciate your time. All the best for the year. No worries, guys. Thanks.